Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Aaron Chapman. Uh, Aaron is a veteran in the finance industry since 1997. Uh, after he exited, guess what? From a mining heavy equipment operation, welding and long haul truck driving. Can you imagine that? Quite a transition. We're going to be talking about that. And since entering the finance industry, his clientele has ranged from those purchasing their first home, building uh, their uh, their dream homes, or investing in multiple properties for long-term long cash flow. So his expertise is in the more complicated financial financing situations. And Aaron is ranked the top 1% in the industry with over 300,000 licensed loan originators. So that's, there's a lot of loan originators and Aaron is in the top 1% of that. He's closing in excess of 100 transactions per month. Aaron Chapman will be talking to us through the fears that the average person has about inflation and interest rate uh, in this very uncertain economy. You want to also make sure that you watch till the end of the show uh, because Aaron is going to have some uh, great thing, a great giveaway. Uh, so make sure you watch till the end. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate allowing me to come on and talk to your audience. Oh, my pleasure. I think this is very interesting. There's so many questions around financing. I keep talking about the importance of leverage in real estate. I mean, if you don't leverage, I mean, you're missing the point. Um, so I think this is so important to have, have uh, you know, an expert that can help us guide through this, uh, this thing. But uh, first, I, I must say, I, I want to make sure that we understand who, who Aaron is. And uh, I want to understand your change in career, like from uh, long haul truck driving and, uh, you know, mining and all of that to finance this is quite the transition well interesting thing i was at an event one time and there was a guy speaking at it, the headliner or you know, the anchor speaker if you will who also was in the lending industry at one point he's since evolved to owning companies and whatever he goes you know when he got into lending being a loan originator like what i am mm -hmm. uh nobody does that intentionally it's because you can't get a job anywhere else and like that's true because I went from, you described, I, you know, I left a cattle ranch in Utah from high school to the oil fields of Wyoming, from there to heavy equipment and truck driving, and then ended up in the mines in northern New Mexico in 1997. And when they started, wow. they started shutting down that project because, you know, the ore was getting deeper and deeper and harder and harder to get. So it's time that it was more expensive to keep that operation going than what they were getting out of it. So in shutting down that project, a lot of us were let go. Well, I thought it was going to be easy for me to get a job because I had such a long history of doing so many other things. It, it shouldn't be hard at all. Went back to Arizona. I had a wife and infant son there. I would be gone uh, for 13 days. I come home for six is what the schedule I had. Wow. And I couldn't find a job to save my life. I got to a point that we were so broke that I was willing to go. I went and I applied for a $10 an hour truck driving job to haul landscape rock. And my wife, at the time I was heading out to that, to, um, I applied for that job. She gave me a coupon for free diapers because we couldn't even afford diapers. Wow. So I pulled up to that place. I talked to the general manager. And again, he told me I was overqualified. That was a word I was beginning to really hate. And as I'm walking away from there, getting my truck, I'm walking, wiping tears from my eyes because I was it was just devastating. Again, another thing I can't get. I start up my truck to head down the street to head to a grocery store with this coupon. And my gas light comes on in my truck. I'd never driven far enough to see how far I could go with a gaslight at that point. So I pointed myself to the closest place I could find, had a gas station, then a grocery store. I ran my debit card. I get a decline because I was overdrawn. 
my financial circumstances being what they were. So I rifled through my truck looking for some change or a dollar or something. And I found a few coins, then it wasn't enough to do anything. So I closed the door on my truck. I locked it. I decided to wander that parking lot of that, that, um, that, that gas station and grocery store to see what I could find. And what felt like a couple hours went by, I found enough change to exchange for a couple gallons of gas. I went in and then I started, I got those diapers that corresponded with the coupon. And I don't know if you've ever been in line at a grocery store and the one item you're getting, you're paying for the coupon. I don't know if you know how that feels, but it was pretty rough feeling that I was having to deal with there. And yeah. as a result of that, um, I wanted to just get out of there as fast as I could. As I'm walking out of the grocery store as fast as I could with head down, somebody recognized me. So he runs me down, starts talking to me. I explained what I just explained to you. He says, hey, let's go to dinner. I'm like, dude, I couldn't afford to go out to dinner. He goes, no, I got a gift certificate from Red for Red Lobster from some clients. I'll take you and your wife. So within a couple of days, we went with him and he told me about the mortgage industry. He shared with me the business card of a branch manager of a broker shop that was local and encouraged me to call this guy. He had already set it up with him. So I called the guy. I was actually, I, I, I finally got another job to run heavy equipment. I called this guy to find out what we could do. And he invited me to come down and I could have fought, uh, cut a foot off of my hair. I shaved. I, my mom bought me some business-like clothes. I went in there and interviewed. They started me as a telemarketer in December of 1997. Oh, wow. So wow. Incredible. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. I mean, I was still mm -hmm. looking for another job. The job I was doing when I called him from the equipment was just a one, a, a two-day thing. That was it. Just fill in a gap for somebody. They didn't okay. hire me permanently. But then I got a job driving truck over the road. So I'd go to Sacramento and back every week, then Vegas and back, then work in the office three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, trying to build a business. That wasn't working. So I went back to heavy equipment. I found another job. I'd get to the uh, the yard by 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. I get to job site by four. I'd work till noon. I'd go home. I'd change. I'd get to the office by two. I'd work till 10 every night. I slept four hours a night for a year before the interest rates went below 7% on owner-occupied loans. When it did mm -hmm. that, we had this barrage of refinances and I was able to replace my income and get into this business full time in 90, 98. Oh, wow. That, that still didn't take that, that long. I mean, you started in 97 and then in a year, it took you a year to get into a situation where you could really do this full time. And uh, so, I mean, and my, 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 my costs were really low. My cost yeah, yeah, yeah. was very low at that time. So that's how we were able to pull that off, but it wasn't easy, man. It was a, yeah. Oh no. Trust me, it does. It doesn't sound easy. That's for sure. Well, and the no, thing is now, like you had said, you know, twenty, nearly twenty-five years later, I'm ranked number twenty in the United States. Mm -hmm. I, you, yeah, it's the top one percent. I'm number twenty for transactions mm -hmm. closed of those three hundred plus thousand people. Mm -hmm. That doesn't come just by just getting up in the morning and, and making a couple of phone calls. You got yeah, exactly. Work that and what yeah. people don't understand is it takes a lot to earn it. It takes a lot more to keep it. Is a very very tough thing to maintain that position because people are gunning for you all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the fears people have about inflation and interest interest rates. So what's uh, what, what's it's a very weird economy right now. Is there, you know the interest rates are going to go up now. The inflation was down to zero last month. So a month before that it was like nine. Uh, the interest rates are the Fed rate is going up. The mortgage rates are heading down a little bit because of the ten year Treasury. 
So what what's going on? Like, like this one thing when you know that the signal is going in one direction, but now we have kind of like mixed signals, in my opinion. Yeah, it's 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 quite the mess. So yeah. if you don't mind, you have the ability to give me a share, have a share share screen by making me co-host, and I'll share with the with the the uh, people watching and listening a little bit of data of what I'm seeing here. Because when it comes to to inflation, and it comes to interest rates, that seems to be the on everybody's mind. Everybody is very very interested in how to do that. Or at least what's going on in there and how it's affecting them. So for me, I'm trying to help them understand that it doesn't affect you the way you think. So is the um, the ability to do that would be going into the participant. Yeah, I, got, I got it now. <laughs> Very good. Cool. Cool. Hold cool. On, cool. I'll, I'll do it the other way. So what um, to, to kind of keep a little bit of the data happening here? There's a site that I encourage everybody to go to. It's called shadowstats.com. It uh, mm -hmm. stands for shadow statistics. There is an economist by the name of John Williams that created this, um, this site for people to understand more about inflation and other things in the in economics. You go into the drop-down menus under uh, alternate data, scroll down to inflation, and you'll be able to get to one of these, these particular graphs that I'm showing you here. Now, what this represents is the CPI and the actual rate of inflation. Now, the CPI, as we can see back here, both lines, there's a red line, there's a blue line, they were converged back in the 80s. And then you start to see a divergence. The question is, why the divergence? Well, the, the CPI that we're usually getting inflation numbers from is the consumer price index. It's an index. Now, we know that the, when you look at the, the stocks, people track three different things mainly, right? The Dow, the NASDAQ, and the NYSE, correct? Yep. Their, their values are not the same. How they trade and what whether they go up or down by what percentage is not the same. Why? Because they're all made up of different things. The Dow is industrials, right? You got the Nasdaq's more your tech, your, your your technology, all that kind of stuff. So when you start looking at it that way, you start understanding it's all a matter of what's, what's stacked into it. The CPI is no different. It's different things stacked into it to see how they adjust with price changes. These things that are within the consumer price index are things that can be easily manipulated with monetary policy. So that's why the Fed follows their stack of, of goods, not all the things we spend money on. So if you follow this blue line that's referenced here on shadow stats, that adds everything back in that they took out to show that our real rate of inflation is not 8.5%, it's closer to about 17 to 18. So it's important to understand that our inflation is much higher than what we're seeing. But we're still at what has been determined as the highest inflation over 40 years, correct? Yep. You probably heard them talk about that. Well, uh, yep. here's what I ask my clients who freak out about interest rates going up as much as they have. Why is it, that, you know, what was the interest rates 40 years ago? Let's take a look. 40 years ago, it was 17 to 18%. Mm -hmm. That's when I bought my first house. What, what interest rate did you pay? I think it was like 15% when I bought my first house. Yeah, so 15%, that would have been right around that 1985. Yeah, this is yeah. we're occupied, right? Mm -hmm. So we can see we were above double digits up until the 90s. So if people fail to remember that we were double digit interest rates up until the 90s, right? And interest in inflation was not near as high. If we go back to that, back in the 90s, look at this, where, the, where it was. Inflation, according to the CPI, was low at that point. So why were we using double di digit? as uh, far as um, rates are concerned. So remember, the rates we're getting now is a gift, an absolute gift in that respect. The other thing, the federal fund rate, people talk about that a lot. So do you know what the current federal fund rate is, Eric? Oh, I forget. It's 2.5. Just as of this last uh, raise in the rates, 2.5%. Mm -hmm. 
Now, people are freaking out. The Fed's raising at three quarters of a percent. That's such a huge jump. Well, what happened back in the 80s? This was Paul Volcker when he was running it. It was 20 yeah, percent. Yeah. He, you'll see. Look at this raise from 15 to 19 overnight. That's four points on a rent on a rate raise. It's crazy. Yeah, right? yeah no, that's what I, I keep reminding people. I said, oh, oh no, but they, they can they cannot increase it that quickly. Oh yeah, they can. I said, just look back. They can certainly increase it by two percent if they want to, three percent. They've done it. They've done it very quickly before. So don't expect that. Or they can only do a maximum of 0.5 percent. No, it doesn't work like that. They're going to do what it takes. Will. Yeah, exactly. They will do what they ever feel, whatever they feel is necessary. But the thing is, exactly. I don't feel that they're going to do a lot like they did back then. And the reason I don't believe that they will is more to do with the fact that we have um, all these other things that are happening, right? We have mm -hmm. the uh, the supply chain issues, things that happen with the pandemic that's keeping, that's keeping costs kind of low. Yeah. And so that I want people to be aware of is, is, the, is where we're at with with what interest rates were compared to where they are now and where they really should be. Have you ever heard of the Taylor rule? No. So the Taylor rule says that you need to take the current rate of inflation and you need to take, uh, and then take the target rate and get, take the difference. So if the current rate of inflation is eight and a half percent and the yeah. target rate is 2%, there's a difference of six and a half percent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to take that difference of six and a half and cut it in half, right? So that'd be 3.25%. So yep. you cut that in half, and then you add that all together. So you take 3.25, you add 2, so you're at 5.25. Then you take 5.25, and you take the 8.5 and, and add that to that. Now, what does that put you at? You're like 9, Three, you're at 14. Yeah. That means they should have the federal fund rate at 14% to be able to, to, be able to slow inflation. Mm -hmm. We're not there. They're not following the Taylor rule. So I'm telling people yeah. now, you better take advantage of what we got while we have it, because I have no idea what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Nor does the ball tell me anything, right? Yeah. So the question I have, you know, we have been programmed by somebody to think interest rates is the most important thing. Who do you think benefits the most when interest rate is the most important thing in the deal? Banks. The banks. Why would you think that? Because that's how they make money. <laughs> It is. Now let me show you how these some bitches make money, <laughs> which is exactly what we're going to get into. So have you ever looked at the amortization uh, schedule on a 30-year fixed mortgage? Yeah. What does the first five years look like? Well, you pay a lot more in uh, in interest than you pay in principal, and then it kind of like shifts around until the end where you pay mainly principal and then less in interest. Yep, but it's very, very heavy interest up front, right? So what we yeah. have an example here, this is an actual amortization schedule from a person with a $120,000 loan. Mm -hmm. That person was paying $719.46 per month, every month for, for 48 months. We also have the starting balance of 120 and what the balance was at the end of those 48 months. So $34,524 was paid over 48 months, but the balance went from 120 only to 113,537. That means only paid down the balance by $6,400. Where did all the money go? It went to this heavy interest side, correct? Yep. Tons of interest up front. Now, this is traditionally when you start seeing people getting all the emails and all the information saying, you need to refi, you need to refi. The rates went down, you need to refinance. So then what happens? Yeah. This person goes through the refinance process. Now, let me tell you, when refinance start to happen and people are calling like crazy, it's the busiest time of my career because I'm trying to tell them to stop, slow down. 
don't refinance unless you're pulling cash out. No, no, no. Yeah. The bank says if the rates go down 1%, you should refi. Why are the banks saying this? Yeah, exactly. Because you, they get to set you back in this heavy, uh, mm -hmm. heavy interest period like this. Now, take a look at this. So these are the numbers we started, showed you the 34,000. Right. Here's the here's the actual math. So you can believe me. You guys can pause it and take a look at it. Make sure I did the math right. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the deal that we did. He had that $120,000 balance, paid it down to 113 and change, but he had a payoff still. Right. So when we got the payoff and everything is ready to go. His actual refinance was 114642 Then he had to have closing costs, prepaid, prepaid items, which is taxes and insurance. And then mm -hmm. the lender fees, title mm -hmm. fees, and the appraisal. When you add it all together, he's like, just add it on the loan because that's what everybody does. Yeah. New balance. New balance on his loan is $119,833.96. That's $166.04 off of where he started. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? Starting over practically. Now, what if they convinced him to do this every four to five years? Where's he going to be out in 20 years? Well, yeah, he's just going to be still paying interest. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much in the exact interest heavy yeah, spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what he started at. And when you look at the numbers, he's paid out over $180,000 in payments, but he's at the exact same spot where he started. Yeah. You can't tell me that this is being done to benefit the people who are buying houses. Yeah, no. And that's why I think that it's important for everybody to understand what they're getting into when they're mm -hmm. listening to a lender that's encouraging them to start to, to basically keep refinancing. You know, and it's amazing how many lenders that will actually look at this, um, look at what I'm talking about here and they'll fight back with me. Like, no, no, no. It benefits the clients. They got lower payments. Of course, it, you're going to say it benefits the clients. Yeah. You're going to say it benefits the clients because it benefits you. So let me ask yeah. this. I mean, the only thing I do is for refinancing, I think it's good if you're taking some cash out of it and then that cash, if it appreciated at a certain rate and you get your, some cash out of it 100%. and then you can reinvest some more. Yeah. 100%. That's the only yeah. time I encourage refinances. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Refinance, yeah. take the cash, buy another property. You literally yeah. took somebody else's money and you doubled your holdings with it. Yeah. The money is your holdings are your holdings, but none of that's your money that's tied up in it. Mm -hmm. People keep thinking, but it's debt to me. No, it's not. You have two jobs as a CEO of your real estate investment business and two jobs only. Find the right people to work with, both on the real estate side, the lending side, the insurance side, and all those other things. And then buy the right business, which means the right asset that you can keep reasonably rented, for the entire time you own it, and you can raise rents on. If you do that, you win. And let me explain how. Let's just use some general numbers. Let's say you're buying a house for 100000 and you're putting 20% down. You've got, say, $150 a month in cash flow, yep. and you've got a 30-year fixed mortgage, and you can raise rents by 3%. That's all we're going to go off of here. It's pretty simple. Yep. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying it for 100000 you're putting 20% down, what dollar amount leaves your bank account at closing? Uh, the $20,000. $20,000. That's your investment, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that means you're going to finance what dollar amount? $80,000. $80,000. And if you did the job I told you your job is, which is to pick the right people and you pick the right property, you keep reasonably rented for the entire time you own it, you can raise rents on, who pays off the 80000 The tenant. The tenant. So let's do some quick math right now. Let's take 80,000 and let's divide it by 30 because that's how many years it's going to take your tenant to pay off this mortgage for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you don't mind running that for me, Eric, run at 80,000 by 30 and tell me the exact dollar amount that you get 
So that way everybody else can see we're doing, and we're, the reason we're doing this math guys is not to test air math skills. It syncs up our brains. We get to where we're thinking about the same things and understanding things and we zero in and focus. So what number did you come up with? 2,666 and 67 cents. Yep, $2,666.67. Now, we're not done yet. Don't close that calculator. Oh. So that's how much over is averaging over three years the tenant is paying down for you. Again, it's an average. There's an amortization table. We just talked about it. We're talking about the average of 30 years. Now, hit your divide button on that dollar amount you just did. Yeah. And type in 20000 because that's your investment. This will show you how much your investment's growing by percentage-wise. 13%. That means your investment's growing by 13.33% every single year. Your 20,000 grows by 13.33% of the original 20,000 every single year. Check my math. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a few smart people out there saying, damn it, Chapman, hey, you didn't talk about the closing costs. I'm going to walk in there not with 20 grand. I'm going to walk in there 26 grand, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Closing costs and prepays and all those things. So, Eric, let's do that number again. $2,666.67 and then hit your divide button and put in 26,000. 10, 10%, 10.25. 10.25, guys. Even with your cost, you're still making an average of 10.25% on your money before cash flows, mm -hmm. before appreciation, and before any tax benefits. You're already outpacing every other investment that you have. So mm -hmm. where's the argument here? You got you got one job to do. That's it, right? Pick the right people and pick the right property. So we already, let's set that on the shelf. That's where your growth is. Now, we get to raise rents. Right. Do you know what the national average of rental increases are in the United States right now, Eric? I think last year was like 11%, I think, something like that. National. 11%? Yeah. It, it's yeah. actually about 12 is what I last yeah. saw. 12% yeah, yeah. is what we're seeing in the in the United States. So does that, um, what we're going to use is we're just going to go off a very nominal number of 3%. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're renting this property out. You're getting, uh, let's say you're renting it for a thousand a month, just for mm -hmm. round numbers, and you're getting only $150 a month in cash flow. Seems very, very reasonable to get $150 a month cash yeah, flow. For yeah, it is, yeah. All right. So then you get to raise the rents by 3%. What's 3% of a thousand? 3% is a thousand thirty. No, so 30 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you're oh, right. you just the 3%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, your math worked. It was perfect. So, <laughs> 30 bucks. Now that means conceivably, I know that taxes and insurance can change, but we're just throwing raw numbers out here, guys. I'm giving you stuff to think about. I'm not trying to get perfect with this, right? But that means conceivably your $150 a month cash flow could go to $180 a month. So take 30, Eric. So take 30 and hit your divide button and, and then divide that into the 150. Okay. Now tell us what, what percentage your cash flow grew by. 20%. 20%. Guys, every time you raise rents, look at the compound growth you get in your cash flow. Your cash flow goes up by 20%. The next year you raise it 3%. You're not raising 3% of the original rent, it's 3% of the current rent. So you're yeah. seeing it compound bigger and bigger on your cash flow. Now, yeah. I also know your property manager is going to get their little piece of it too. So it's mm -hmm. not a perfect compounding 20, but you yeah. see where I'm coming from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you, you a good thing, yeah. Yeah, 100%. this is the thing too, is that a lot of people are kind of, they get stuck on the numbers and they get, oh, well, it's not exactly right because there's that, there's this, there's that. But this is kind of giving you, these are rough numbers to kind of give you some kind of order of magnitudes of where things are heading at least. Yes, it might be a little bit off. It might be a little bit lower when you include every, every little details, but uh, in general, it gives you the right direction. It leaves you, it gives you the general map to work mm -hmm. off of. Exactly. Because ultimately, 
what we're trying to show you, there's more than just a cash on cash return here. Mm -hmm. Too often the real estate side of it, real estate side, sales side of it would go off a of performance, show you the first year and give you this cash on cash return model. Mm -hmm. it's a great metric but to me is the least valuable metric in the entire process. That's what you use when you're flying by a market at 30,000 feet in Mach 2 and you see something that just catches your eye. That's to stop, park the plane, go look at the deal and look at the real details of it, like what we're talking about. Cash on cash return model, in my opinion, was something that we painted ourselves into a corner with to sell because it was easy. Mm -hmm. Now it's working against us. Yeah, it, it is. should have worked against us. We should have never made that the sales point, right? Mm -hmm. It should be all these other things. So we know that you you get this compounding growth in cash flow, and you're getting the compounding decline in the balance. Therefore, the compounding increase in mm -hmm. your deposit. So so far, the investors making money all over the place, right? Does the lender get to raise the payment on the loan to pace inflation? No, no, they do not. Let me show you something else here that's kind of sexy. So what I have here, because people talk about this being a hedge against inflation, I'm the first person to put a number to it. So I was talking about this on a podcast and theorizing about what a person really pays over time. And the professor of accounting at Kennesaw State University reached out to me and says, you got to come speak to my students. And then he created this tool. And in this tool, we can see, and here's, I did this tool for a client. And so I'm showing you guys to, to take a look at this, is buying this property for 147300 This is a real deal. Pay with 117,840 loan amount. Mm -hmm. He was getting a 7% interest rate because our rates went that high recently. They've come yeah. back that were quite a bit lower, but it went there. His rent was 1185, just barely over a 1% rent to loan ratio, well below the rent to value ratio. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So his payments were $783.99 for a total over 30 years would be $282,237. That's what he'd pay. He'd pay yeah. back 117,840 principal plus 164,000 in interest. More interest than what he borrowed, right? Yeah. But inflation is eroding the dollar every mm -hmm. single year. Yeah. I'm factoring in right here 8% inflation. And with 8% inflation, the dollar is losing 0.666% of its value every single month. Yeah. So as you're paying back the lender over that 30 years, you're not giving them the 117,000. You're definitely giving them the 164. The value of all those dollars is equal to 106,845.23. Who just yeah. won? Yeah. Well, we we win because we uh, we are getting today's dollar at you know with the full purchasing power, and then we're repaying the principal over a long period of time, where the value of that the purchasing power of that dollar is going to go down. So that's 100%. the advantage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, One of the other things showing here, raising the rents 3%, starting at 1183, yeah. raising it 3% per year. Look what mm -hmm. we end up with. Total yeah. revenue of $665,000. Mm -hmm. Again, your revenue is 665. The payment out from the tenant's money is 282. And the mm -hmm. actual dollars going to the to the lender is 106. You yeah. can take pieces of that 665 and invest it and compound that. Yeah. So that's where a lot of people, I think, fail to understand the real value in real estate. So right now, here's one of the other things. I this, is, this is one of the big reasons why if you're buying rental properties right now, you must leverage because in a high inflation environment, this is, re this is critical. If you're, if you're buying it cash, if you're buying the rental property cash, well, your cash, your cash is in that property and it is going to appreciate, but it's also going to, you know, the inflation is going to be affected by it. This, the leverage, the uh, getting a mortgage on the property is fantastic because you're getting the full money today 
with full purchasing power, and then you're paying less in when you have when you uh, when you include the inflation. So this is, leverage is very very important here if you want to beat inflation. One hundred percent. And and one of the things to kind of hit on that that thought process right there, Eric, is if you took a hundred thousand dollars and you bought one property for a hundred thousand dollars and you rent it out for a thousand dollars a month, you'd make about six seven hundred fifty dollars a month in cash flow. When you raise that. That three percent, that thirty dollars, you went from seven fifty to seven eighty. What's your percentage increase? I think it's a four yeah. percent. It's a four percent growth in your cash flow. Yeah, it's yeah. twenty, right? Yeah. You've been taking that same hundred thousand, put it in four properties, making a twenty percent growth on four instead of a four percent on one. Yeah, you yeah. got to think about that. You also have the tenants, the four tenants, paying down the balances on four properties, giving you that ten point four percent or ten point two five percent we talked about earlier. When you're not getting that on the other. You're oh, completely yeah, yeah. losing by shoving it all into one place. Oh, abs absolutely, absolutely. And then you, and then you have the appreciation. You have four houses that are appreciating instead of only one, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, so let's take uh, another quick look here at, at interest rates, so people can wrap their head around something. Um, here's what the average rates were since 1971. Now, this particular spreadsheet that I've got, I can give you guys the full spreadsheet if you want it. Just shoot me a message. I'll get you the whole thing, this tool, so you can see all the rates all the way back to 1971, mm -hmm. tracking the 30-year fix for, for owner-occupied. This has 2,677 lines on this spreadsheet. The average interest rate since 1971 to now is 7.77%, basically. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Up until 2009, when they started quantitative easing, the average interest rate was 9.1%. Mm -hmm. But then you start factoring in quantitative easing, yeah, where they yeah, yeah. $1.25 trillion into the market from January yeah. 1, wow. 2009 to March 30th, 2010. Yeah. And then you look what they did the pandemic, which is $1 trillion in 10 days from March 20th to March 30th. And they've continued to put in billions of dollars every day in between all those numbers. Those those have put a artificially low interest rate that has never happened mm -hmm. in history. I doubt will ever happen again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It shoved inflation through the roof. So looking yeah, at that's this, why a lot of people are looking at the interest rate and say, oh, this the interest rate is so high. It's not high. This is like normal interest rate. This is where it should have been. Exactly. Was, what was abnormal is the 2% that we had before. That well, was abnormal. abnormal. Still, the rate we have today, six. Yeah, point, yeah. About oh, this is an interesting. This is a very interesting figure. Like the seven point seven uh, percent uh, average between nineteen seventy one and twenty twenty two. I think that's that's very interesting. Yeah, very or, much. Or, like, yeah. like I was saying, saying before, nineteen ninety eight, when the interest rates dropped below seven percent for owner yeah. occupied, that I get really busy. Yeah. That was an anomaly. Nobody ever seen it like that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. We got into the fives. In the, mm -hmm. in the mid 2000s, that was ridiculous. And then it went yeah. back up where the yeah. average investor was paying like 9%. Yeah. So what I want people to understand is, guys, this is amazing rates right now. You need to be happy mm -hmm. about that. What yeah. some people are calling me right now and saying, hey, should I get an arm? All these people tell me I should get an arm and I can refinance when the, when the, when the rates go down. Who says they're going down? The only time <laughs> they've been lower than this is when the Fed started messing with it. And the Fed has just said more than once. We're not going to mess with that anymore. They're divested yeah. of this, guys. You need to understand they're not buying back in. So don't put yourself in a position where you're hoping that the rates go down. Hope is not a business strategy. Control, control what you can control for as long as you can control it, and you can control it with a 30-year fixed. So yeah, here's even, even if you have, yeah, even if you have a 30-year mortgage, you can still refinance. Uh, uh, you know, in five years, if you think the interest rate goes down to like two percent. You can 100%. refinance. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. But the problem with the arm, if you go like a five-year arm or something like that, 
then you are forced to to refinance in five years. So, you know, if the interest rate at that time is like 15%, well, you know, you're going to be there. So I'd rather, have, I'd rather have options. Yep. And you're always going to have options and it's all going to make up for itself anyway, because you're buying, again, a, a, an asset that's going to be able to raise rents on. Yeah. So here's what I promised you guys. Get out your phones. Get your camera on. This is the first time I'm going to encourage you to get the phone out. Get the QR code. It's going to encourage you when you download to give me your name, your email address, and your phone number. Don't BS me on this. Give me the real data because we're working on some updated versions of it. And let me show you what you're getting with this. Some of you won't do this. Every time I step into an audience, I show this and about 30 to 50% pull their phones up and they do it. I show them the details of it. The rest of those people get their phones out and they get this app. So here's what it's called. You're going to get this thing called the QJO investment tool. The reason it's called that is called the quit jerking off investment tool. Why? Because anybody who's worried about rates and, and, and cash on cash return and cap rates, you're jerking off and you're not looking at all the details. So you're going to go into this. This has four calculators. We're only going to talk about this one here, which is the mortgage amortization calculator. All these calculators except this one are ones that underwriters use. That's why I'm giving you these calculators. No other lender is giving you this calculator, just us. But this one, no other lender has, which is the mortgage amortization schedule I'm going to show you. So you click on that. We're just going to put in these numbers for now. You've got to put whatever your down payment percentage is, the dollar amount of your purchase price, whatever rate you're going to do. I have additional payment in there. Don't put that now. That's just you can play with what putting more money into it every month will do to the balance and how inflation affects it. So you're going to calculate that. You're going to be able to see your principal, your interest, and your total payment. You're going to want to scroll down to see the total payment you're making and the current loan balance. Then you wanna to go to the upper right-hand corner, which is, has a calendar icon. You click on this, they'll show you this year. I'm showing you every year on the anniversary of the closed loan, what the balance looks like. You're gonna scroll all the way to the right to 2052. And you can do any, any year you want, but for this purpose, we're just gonna go to 252 and we're gonna select and close. Now you're gonna see the total payments to date, which is $273,053.39. But after inflation eroded that dollar, and I'm factoring this at 8%, it's 103,368.53. Now you get to see the power of this. Now what's also really powerful here is we use this inflation adjusted payment versus the payment. This means if you bought $69.36 worth of stuff today, it would cost you $758.48 in 30 years. Reason I know that is when I was a kid, I go down the corner store on my my skateboard with a dollar bill from my mom, buy a gallon of milk, candy bar for me, and come back with change. How possible is that right now, Eric? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So that's how I know that that this that what's going off inflation. Now, for those of you who didn't get out your your, your uh, phone, there you go. Go ahead and get this. Register. Get that. We're going to get you updates on this. I want you to be successful in what you do, and I'm giving you the tools to be successful because if you start to fail. I'll eventually start to fail and I get really violent against failure. You need data on how to use this calculator. Here's how you get a hold of me. Just get to AaronBChapman.com. AaronChapman.com works. You can just Google Aaron Chapman. You'll find only one bald bearded redneck lender on there. And this is this is how you get in touch with us. Set up a time for us to talk. And that's true. That's the only bald headed red bearded uh, <laughs> lender that I know. <laughs> Well, that was very good, Aaron. So thank, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, the time that uh, you spent with us and, and really kind of like, yeah, really show people that this, this is the, really the place to be and don't be afraid to, uh, to use leverage and to get invested in, in, uh, in real estate properties. I mean, this is very, uh, very important. And now you know the bearded lender. So, you know, 
you can get uh, great loans and uh, on rental properties and all of that. And I also like uh, in uh, in your discussion too, kind of like how you are, um, you know, yeah, you kind of like just the rough numbers. It's like this is what it looks like. This is, you know, your your investment is not just cash flow, um, you know, cash cash on cash return on your net cash flow. It's also appreciation. How does the uh, how does your the appreciation affect that? How does inflation affect that? How do your rent increase affects that and stuff like that? And really show now that, and we haven't talked about taxes and uh, all all these uh, impacts as well. So, so I think this is fantastic. So thank you very much for all that information. And uh, I'll make sure that uh, I put all that information in the show notes also. And um, yeah, so thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. And if you guys also, you can go to my YouTube channel. Just look for Aaron Chapman. I have uh, twice a week. I give a breakdown of what's going on in the market, how it affects you as a real estate investor, and how to read the, the mortgage-backed securities charts. A lot of times people talk about the 10-year treasury is what they focus mm -hmm. on, but sometimes they go opposite directions, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to know what's really driving the market for interest rates with the, with loans, and that's the mortgage-backed securities. If you want to understand mortgage-backed securities, watch the movie The Big Short. It tells you about where it came about, how it started, and then what happened in 2008. So exactly. thank you for allowing me the time on to talk to everybody, and thank you guys for, uh, for reaching out to me and getting the app. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.